Man, I'm so excited for this conversation. This one's going to be pretty legendary. We got Steve Valentine, my mentor, friend, pickleball partner, uh, real estate agent, strategist. He is uh, the man. And we talk about all the things. He just wrote a book, Limitless Real Estate Strategies. And he's, uh, he's an amazing dude. He's got a great family. He's um, very successful. A lot of rental properties have helped a lot of people get into rental properties and expand their wealth and knowledge in real estate. And this is just one of those people and episodes that I'm really excited to get out here. So thank you for tuning in. And as always, stay jacked and happy. Welcome to Jacked and Happy. I'm Elliot Schwartz, whiskey lover, bacon eater, real estate investor, and a big kid at heart. I'm bringing you epic conversations with everyday people doing legendary things who are just as successful as they are happy. Let's freaking go. Welcome to Jackson Happy. I got my homie, my business partner, my mentor, my friend, um, one of the guys who's changed, I, I say this, he's changed the trajectory of my life and so many others, but uh, he's a genius and he's um, he's been through a lot. So I'm really excited to chop it up with you today, Steve. Steve Valentine. Uh, thanks, brother. I appreciate that introduction. All right. What, are, what are we chopping up? We can chop up. So We'll probably chop up way too much, but I'm okay. going to start with some canned questions. Some um, okay. just what I normally ask everybody. And if you know Steve, he is a goofball like myself. He's like basically my older brother. But um, tell me a little bit what your definition of happiness is, because you you're running around and you've got a big smile on your face and you're lighting up every room. So what what's your definition of happiness? Impact. Mm. You know, so it's it it goes from being in traditional real estate for so long and then the the, the shift that we had about eight years ago and realizing how much impact as a real estate professional that I can truly have on people. Cause it's not just about the sale. It's about guiding them through and giving them the best strategy. I mean, you, you and Lindsay have experienced the strategies um, and the impact it's had on you. Right. So that's where, that's where the happiness comes in. Right. Everybody else is focused on the sale and the commissions and those types of things. And I'm focused on the impact. Like what is this truly going to do for you? Not just now, but in two years, five years, 10 years. Right. And what does that look like? Yeah. And that's so true. Um, just from my experience of working with you is like, when we were looking at months, it wasn't like, you know, tell me what you're looking for in months. It's like, what are your goals? What do you want to be doing? What are your long-term, yeah. like, what do you see yourself holding, you know, and you kind of like share the vision of, Hey, this is what it looks like to hold a bunch of houses. And, you know, it's it just, uh, it was just like the perfect kick in the butt I needed for my first investment property. And yeah, you're just um, you're just like a strategist genius when it comes to real estate and like connecting that with people's visions. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times people don't even know what's possible until you start asking the questions like, you know, we've been through a bunch of stuff, right? You, you didn't realize what was possible in keeping your primary residence and buying a house in months and all the different investments and what it actually does. And, and now you're starting to see it and you're seeing it in a bigger picture. And that's where, you know, that impact and that happiness is, is so important with people. Yeah. And it's interesting because in my mind it's like, oh, this is what it's going to cost to own and, and renovate and Airbnb and the down. And, and you're just like, well, just take a couple steps and see if that's really what it's going to cost. 
you know, and it's sometimes in your mind, it's much worse than it actually is on paper. So, um, yeah, it's scary. Like, <laughs> it is scary. And there's a lot of different ways, right, to go about it, structuring deals and, and whatnot. So um, it's really important and valuable to have someone like you in their corner to help along that way. All right. Second question. What are you most jacked about this year? What are you most excited about? It can be personal or professional. Um, dude, you know what I'm most excited about this year is, uh, do you remember a mastermind, you know, when you were the tall drink of water in the background, um, <laughs> that Lindsay introduced you as, which you are still plugged into my phone is that when you ring it, it cracks me up. Right. Cause it takes me back like the actual visual memory, but, um, you remember Marshall Morris spoke to us that year? Yes. Right. He runs a huge e-commerce business. Um, Marshall and I went through 75 hard together and we came really, really connected. And Marshall is now my digital partner. And so he is taking over on the digital side of things. And we're running through things because I want to have a greater impact. And I've struggled with it over the years, like, because I'm so involved in my real estate business and what we do here. And but I, I want to have a greater impact on the digital side and showing people what's possible. And um, so Marshall and I have partnered, uh, which is really awesome. And so we've uh, we created what's called the limitless circle, which is my inner circle. You know, it's a small investment. Some people can't um, aren't ready to invest on, you know, the, the coaching side of things and they want something small. So Wendy and I are doing the limitless circle where she's talking about renovations and contracting and kids and some of the things that we've done that have been interesting with our kids, mm. uh, the financing side, the real estate strategies, like kind of like an all encompassing life purpose. So I'm really, really excited about that. And one of the things that is really, I've been pumped up is uh, I've been working for a year to write my first book. Ooh. And uh, so my first book is done. Um, it's it's coming out. We actually do the book launch on June 13th, which is uh, uh, a little bit emotional for me because we decided to do it on June 13th, which is my late father's birthday, mm. who was my mentor in this business. And uh, so we're doing it on his birthday and we're doing it in an auto museum. Um, which is one of my passions is cars. So uh, I'm really excited for this to come out. It's called Limitless Real Estate Strategies. It's a lot of stories about real estate and how, you know, we came out of the trenches from, you know, nothing. You know, we had a great real estate business. We lost everything. And then getting into where we're at now um, is, is very exciting. So I'm really looking forward to that impact. It's a scary thing to write a book and put yourself out and go, is this going to be any good? I'm watching Lindsay go through that right now, even on her second book, it's still like the, the self-doubt and all that, the critic yes. starts creeping in and it's, uh, yeah. it's, it is a lot, man. I, uh, that's lot. awesome that you're doing that. And I'm really excited that you're doing that because it, you know, you can only fit in so much knowledge in one conversation. So for you uh -huh. to like put pen to paper on all these different deals you structured and all the things you've learned over the years, it's going to be really cool. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. Speaking of what all you've learned over the years and um, touching on your family a little bit, what what do you what do you teach your kids about investing about real estate? Are you actively trying to um, like put your knowledge into them or do you wait for them to come to you? How do you approach that um, you know with your, with your kids? You lead by example, right? And so the kids have, We've always engaged our kids as adults rather than kids. And I don't know if you grew up this way, but I grew up in the go to the kids table. 
Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you're not welcome here with the adults. And we've always brought our kids into the adult conversations, no matter how hard they are, even when we were broke and we didn't have any money. I mean, I remember Christian at like age seven when we were doing um, foreclosure properties for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And Christian would hear the conversation like, who is Fannie and Freddie and why do they owe you so much money? <laughs> right. Because we had to put all this money out at that time. And we would get reimbursed. And so we've always kept them very engaged in what we do and we show them what we do and we go through numbers. And now that they're 18 and 20 and, you know, we've always been the household that has been like the adopted household. Right. So like last night there was seven kids that just came back from the gym and they've got like 30 chicken legs on the freaking grill. And Wendy and I are sitting out there while they're grilling and we're talking about rentals and we're talking about money and we're talking about what's next. So, you know, to answer that question, it's getting them to understand like the basics of the real estate investing, what it does and how it impacts the future. So, and, and we started small with them. One of the great pieces of advice that I would have for anybody out there is that, you know, when they were younger, we got them involved. So we planned a vacation. The first uh, cruise we planned, a Disney cruise. But we didn't just, even though we could write a check for it, we didn't do that. We sat down with the kids. We let them pick some of the adventures, the cruise, and, and they helped us do it. And they were about 10 and 12 at the time. And we said, okay, this is what this vacation is going to cost. The plane tickets, the hotels, the cruise, and like, oh my God, $10,000. Like that, that is a lot of money. So we did for that 12 months of planning is we said, hey, we need to save money. So what are you willing to sacrifice for this vacation? Mm -hmm. So we got them to understand like, hey, we're going to go out to eat. And they'd be like, uh, if we go out to eat, how much is that going to cost? Well, $100. Well, what if we just go home or we go to the grocery store? Can we put $100 in the vacation savings? So we got them to start thinking and understanding the value of money early on mm. and seeing, you know, that it's not a negative thing. And the, the other big thing with our kids, even when we were broke and even now, we never looked at them and said, we can't afford this. When you tell your kids you can't afford something, you are telling them that you're broke and you're poor. Mm. So we always ask them like, hey, um, that's a great idea. And I know that you want that, but Hey, it's not in the budget this month. So how do we save for it? Or how do we budget for it next month? So let's have that conversation because in, and it was a conversation I had with a really good friend because I listened to her tell her daughter all the time, we can't afford this. And like, stop saying you can't afford it because the minute you say you can't afford it, you are giving them permission to go to school and, you know, go to lunch and go, Oh, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. So now you, you've dictated to your kid that they're broke and they're poor. So we, we kind of changed the language and changed the mindset around how we raised our kids and how money was. That's so cool, dude. And I love that. Like, I bet you they enjoyed those vacations so much more because they were bought into them. They were planning them with you guys. Yep. It like meant something to them that they got to like be a part of funding it. Right. 100%. Um. That's really cool. I love that. So yeah, all you all you parents out there, get your kids investing in 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 part of the trips. I love that. I love that yep. piece of little nugget. What is the bet? Okay, so what would be what's the best investment you ever made, and what would you want your kids to invest in now? The best investment I've ever made is in myself. Mm. Right. I mean, we can talk about all the real estate that we own and this, that, and the other. But um, when I look back at it, the investment into 
when I was when I was younger in the real estate business, it was conferences and things like that. But it, the funny thing is, is here's the crazy thing. Do you know how we met? It was yep. the investment in a $20 book that Lewis Howes wrote. And that book changed the trajectory of my life by going to his event, which is wow. where I met Chris, which wow. is where I ended up in Chris's mastermind and where we ended up, right? Like $20 changed the trajectory immensely in life because I was willing to go invest in going to Lewis's event, which it was his year two. And that dude knows how to throw a freaking after party, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was bananas, right? So, I mean, that that literally is like that book changed my life and wow. everything going forward because I had no idea what the influencer space was. I didn't know what a podcast was because when I grew up with my dad in the real estate business, it was always real estate conferences. And so I stepped out of my comfort zone and went somewhere that I didn't know and invested in something that I didn't understand. And then it opened up an entire new world, which gave me all these amazing relationships like what we have. Someone asked and me as that. Far as, yeah, someone asked well, me that and I might have the same exact answer. Yeah. And then as far as the kids go, you know, it it's not just teaching them what to invest in, but it's teaching them how money moves, breathes, and works. So I had a conversation at coffee this morning with my youngest Chase and his friend Logan. And Logan asked me the same question. He's like, where would I start? And I'm like, let's start by understanding how much money do you spend every month? So you know your expenses. And then let's start by percentages. You see, some people try to put stuff in savings or certain buckets based on dollar amounts, rather than every check is broke down by percentages. So I broke it down with them. I'm like, okay, so you want to create a reserve that's a couple of months that gives you freedom to not stress about stuff. So how do we take 10% or 20% of your check and put it somewhere you can't touch? And one of those early on investments, which we've done with the kids, is a whole life insurance policy. It's an easy investment. It has a life insurance arm. And when you do that at their age, they will always be insured right? Mm. The insurance never runs out. There's never a health issue. And so they can do that early on. So we talked to him about that. But I said, the second goal is saving enough money for a down payment on a house, because this is where we're going to start your journey. And you know, when so many people that I work with come to me, they're like, I want to buy my first house. I'm like, no, you're going to buy your first investment property. You're just going to live there for a year or two. And then we're going to go do the same thing. We're going to go rinse and repeat. So I had that conversation with them this morning about, hey, let's say you only qualify for a $200,000 house, which you can't buy much for that here in Phoenix, but you and Chase both qualify for a $200,000 house. So why not buy a house together as a partnership and keep that house? And then we're going to start moving. And so what it does for them at the ages of you know, 20, 21, is we start that path of, in 10 years, if you own five to seven homes, by the time you're 50 or 55, you'll have three to $4 million worth of real estate that's free and clear that somebody paid off. And you'll have about $10,000 a month in passive income from real estate. Just by doing what you do every day and living in a property and moving on. So that is a lot of the guidance that I'm giving the younger generation is this is how we're going to get there. Because a lot of them don't think about that in their 20s. I didn't. How my dad had taught me some my dad had taught me some some of it yeah but i also you know encouraged logan to look at his family background and i said look 
you're at a place that you can break a generational curse of your finances, your real estate, who you want to be, how you want to do it right now. Mm -hmm. What do you want to change? So powerful, dude. And yeah, to your point, it's like, how could a young person know how to think like that? It's not taught in school. You know, they're no, not exposed not. to it unless your family is doing it or you're going out on your own and, and trying to learn about that at a young age. And I know I was more interested in girls and sports and being a dumbass when I was 18 than I was. Can't you know. imagine. <laughs> but that's that's just reality. So it's just really interesting. There is um, man, there's such a need to change the dynamic of how kids think about money and what's possible for them at a young age. Well, it, it goes it goes back to which we've all seen it. And, and I don't know how you grew up or how Lindsay grew up, but I know how my parents were and how Wendy's parents were, which was paycheck to paycheck. And you lived for the right now, but you weren't thinking 20 years from now. And you weren't thinking like, what can I do? So those conversations are not happening in the average household right now because the parents are living in this world of paycheck to paycheck. And the myth is I can't afford it. There's no way I can do it. So I'm not going to talk to my kids about it. So the kids are being influenced by online people and not realizing like the value of money and what can be created and how you can do this. Right. And so that, that is, that is my biggest influence with those kids. And like, if you were ever at our house is, you know, we built our house and we renovated it to be the house that all the kids were at. So like, it's a little bit more difficult now because it's like a, a scene from Fast and Furious, which is big in our household. Every night we come home and there's like 12 cars in the driveway. Thank God we have three driveways. Right? It's like you're at a shop shop over there. Right. But it is so fun to walk in and have all these conversations with the boys and them asking questions and being interested in it. And then they're starting to gain interest in real estate because they've seen so much of it. Like, you know, last weekend, they did their first round of door knocking. You know, five kids wow. went out into a, a mobile mobile home area that we're investing in, and they're door knocking. Like, no experience. They're like, hey, where do we start? I'm like, well, I want to get you over the fear of talking to people. So we're going to go door knock. And here's the little flyer that you're going to hand out. And here's the conversation. And of course, they did one screw up thing where they started sticking the the flyers in people's mailboxes that weren't home. So I got a letter from the uh, postmaster general of, hey, this is illegal. I'm like, yeah, sorry, my kids are, uh, they weren't taught that yet. They know now, though. That's amazing, dude. Uh, um, oh, door knocking. That's, uh, that brings me back. Yeah, right. <laughs> so in today's world, interest rates are a little bit high. Some people think the housing prices are inflated. No one really knows if they're coming down, if they're going up. Do you think, do you still think it's a good time to buy? Do you think that it's, it's going to pop? You think people should wait to, and you know, try to time it perfectly? Like, what are your thoughts around that? The one thing everybody needs to understand is that if you have a path and a vision for what you want to own and what you want to accomplish, it's always a good time to buy real estate. Because if you try to time the market perfect, I mean, let's just take case in point right now. You you decided not to buy something when the prices were up, right? Because there's multiple offers, there's all this craziness. And you're like, oh, I'll just wait till the market comes down. What nobody planned for was the rates to almost double or more than double 
which guess what? When you're investing in real estate, everything is about the payment, not about the price, mm. right? Because somebody else is eventually going to pay that mortgage off. And if you had a 2% interest rate versus a 6% interest rate, you would have been better off paying a little bit more for the house back then. But you tried to time the market. And guess what? There was another factor that came in, which was rate. And rate changes payment. And payment changes qualification. What can you buy, right? So you could buy a $500,000 house two years ago. Now you can buy a $300,000 house. And you would have been better off buying the $500,000 house because you know, appreciation, area, location, those types of things. But it scared people. Well, now it's now it's scarier because the payment's higher. Mm. It doesn't mean it's not a good time to buy, right? So, and you also look at law of average. So if you look at my portfolio, uh, we own about 80 single family homes in the Phoenix area. We started buying in 2015, which we could buy a rental property for a hundred grand. And in 2022, we bought some rentals for 500 grand. But guess what? We have a law of average because we kept going with the plan and we didn't stop. And so the law of average across the portfolio is that, okay, well, the average house cost us about three, $250,000 to $300,000 because we just kept going. The $100,000 home might have a 3% interest rate on it. The 2022 house might have a 6% interest rate on it. Law of average, still around that 3 to 4%. People want to look at it at one off. But the reality is, is if it's part of your vision, you keep going. Yeah, I couldn't resonate with that more. And no, I mean, people pretend like they have a crisp crystal ball. And I'm listening to experts who are brilliant in their field saying complete opposite things. Right. Sure they are. So because nobody literally knows. So to your point, your 6% interest rate that you stretch that you're like, ah, I'm just going to bite the bullet and eat it. It could be 12 next year. And are you going to be the way, happy at six? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And by the way, guess what? You can secure, you only know what can happen right now. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all you can control is what the rate is right now, what the price is right now. If you think you're going to time it perfectly, it's not going to happen. Right. So when I look back at my dad's career, my dad lived in the 16, 17% interest rates. Yeah. Right. Which was almost impossible. And the houses were, way less money. Right. And there was way less income available at that time. So you kind of look at those pieces and just go, okay, now's the time to buy because the interest rates could be worse. The, you know, So it depends on how you're buying. So that's why when I structure with people, it's always with their goals and their vision in mind. And when you start talking about goals and vision and what the future looks like, rates will change eventually. Yep. It could be five years from now. It could be 10 years from now. I don't know. But I do know what I can get right now. And I know what I can buy right now. And I know what I can afford right now. Yeah. And I I mean, I know people who sold their homes in 2020 and are like, it's all going to bust. And yep. got an apartment and sitting on cash and yep. missed the biggest freaking boom there was in their cities right I mean, <clears throat> yep houses were jumping 60 percent, and he was in denver and houses were jumping like 60 percent. yeah and a year or more and so it was like how did it work out for you man like i i just never think being on the sidelines is a good place to be especially if you have it's a long-term vision yeah it's it's definitely not i mean it's it's not the lottery either right but it's it's a path and a vision and if you stick to the path and the vision then Nothing changes. 
I love how you put that, the law of averages. It's like, if you have a game plan, you're going to execute it over 20 years. Yeah, you may miss, you know, one deal may not be as good as the other ones, but sure. you're still moving your plan down the road. And when interest rates come down or the houses, you know, go back up and appraise, um, you're going to be right, right back at the same spot. Right. Dude, this is good stuff, man. So tell me a little bit, let's switch to your health because you're a different human being. I saw a picture of you on Instagram. I think it was like shot maybe two years ago and you put it back up on your page and I'm like, that's not even Steve anymore. Dude, you look like a new person. Tell me what you're doing. Um, So interesting, my, my wife, you know, again, going back to mastermind, um, Wendy and I had some challenges in our marriage last year and she ended up, you know, finding a personal coach to work with, which you met Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. She's talking about seven years of impact to mastermind. Well, mm. seven years later, Jordan that we met in year one is now coaching Wendy wow. and Wendy finally got into that space. And uh, so with some of Wendy's new friends, they were all going to challenge each other on 75 hard. And she's like, do you want to do it with me? And if you don't know what 75 hard is, Andy Forsella created it as a mental discipline, not as a physical thing. And it's two workouts a day, one indoor, one outdoor, 45 minutes some sort of eating plan, no alcohol, no cheat meals, and um, 10 pages of reading every day. And then you take a progressive picture every day. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Well, 30 days in, Wendy ended up dropping off because she was at a retreat that she didn't have time to do the two workouts. That's okay. Um, it was a trajectory <laughs> for me. So I started doing it and 12 days into it, Marshall Morris started doing it with me. So he was 12 days behind. And we would video message each other every morning, like going to, going to the gym and uh, what kind of pre-workout were we doing? And when I sent Marshall a package of pre-workout, I thought he was like a new guy on crack. It was hysterical. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's like, where has this been all my life? So 75 hard, while my physical aspect changed, it was the mental capacity that really changed during that time. And I just completed it, you know, around two weeks ago. And uh, so the habits have maintained. Um, I dropped 25 pounds, three pant sizes, and like 12% body fat in that, that 75 days, yeah. right? No steroids, no like huge like supplements, nothing like that. It was just straight discipline of doing those things and being uh, committed to doing those two workouts every day. And the cool thing was is it also reconnected my wife and I because the second workout was an outdoor walk mm. that Wendy and I did non-negotiable. And you've heard Chris and Lori talk about the non-negotiable walk. So we walked every night, um, except for when either one of us was out of town. And there was a couple of nights in February when it was pouring down rain. You're out there just soaking wet going, oh, my God, I'm so cold and freaking miserable. But you just did it. I was grateful, though, at the time that I didn't live in New York. And being out in the snow doing it. So yeah. we're kind of blessed to be in Arizona for that second outdoor workout. But yeah. now it's coming to the summer. Thank God we have Munns Park, right? So that second workout is pretty awesome. So like Wendy and I went for a walk last night. And we just kind of made the agreement rather than having conversations during the day, unless it was something critical in the business, that we would download in that 45 minutes. Mm. And, and one of the things on our walks, dude, we met some of the biggest pigs in the farm area by our house. We have I've these selfies. That. These yeah. pigs are enormous. They're like 400 pounds. They are some big bastards. Yeah. And uh, 
you're almost scared to put your you're almost scared to put your hands in there, but they're the sweetest pigs. Like they'll nuzzle your nose and we feed them carrots and we've talked to the owners and it's kind of fun. It was a, it was a fun adventure and we're still doing it. It is amazing what discipline will bring to your life. Um, that's cool that your, your whole family and your kids are doing it with you too. Right. Is that what you're saying before? No. So it was interesting. The biggest impact was my kids watched me do it. Mm. And the day after I completed it, both of my boys, Christian and Chase, and three of their friends sat down at the kitchen table and said, we're going to do our own version of 75 hard. I'm like, cool. Tell me about it. So, you know, alcohol is not that generation's deal. Weed is. Yeah. And vaping. So, yeah, weed, vaping, all that stuff. So all of a sudden, the kids are doing two workouts a day. They've become addicted to pickleball. They are challenging each other like, dude, my 18-year-old Chase, three weeks ago, I don't know if I could have gotten him out of bed before 10 o'clock. And now he's going to the gym with me at 5 o'clock in the morning. He is playing pickleball with me. For Easter, I bought all of them their own pickleball paddles and their own bags. And it's just like I told Chase on the way to the gym the other day, I'm like, I don't know who the other kid is, but do not ever bring him back because I like this kid. This kid is fun. That's and, so, uh, that's so cool, it, dude. It like the one challenge from Wendy and me doing it, the kids caught something by example, which goes back to the financial conversation we had earlier. Your kids are going to catch things. They are going to hear things and they're going to see things. And then they're going to implement, which implementation can be good or bad. Right. Yeah. And so the 75 hard thing, all of a sudden the whole house is like talking about eating healthier and not eating out. And that, that was one of the kids challenges to each other is like, we're not going to eat out for 75 days because it was a money thing, not just a health thing. So it was like, it did, it was just an amazing impact and just confidence wise, when you drop 25 pounds and you're like, you take your shirt off in the mirror, you're like, hell yeah, let's go. Right. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to lose that person again because you saw my before and afters and my before picture was like, oh my God, I never want to see that person again ever. And it's funny because even when back then, it's not like you looked bad. Like I would right. look at you like, oh, Steve looks bad. It's just like, you just don't know what the best version of yourself looks like yet. Yes. A hundred percent. Right. And that, that is probably the thing that I saw is like, well, I didn't feel that I looked that way. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I'm like, I was confident, like I'm a stud. And then you realize you're a fat stud. Somebody should slaughter you. You're like, I was the pig in the trough. Totally. <laughs> oh, man. But that's cool. Man. I, I love that you're like, I love your family dynamic. And I love how you and Wendy support each other and your kids. And I, so Steve does this thing where he has a bunch of kids over and the, he makes uh, pancakes and I see him. They're just throwing these pancakes across the room at each other. And it's just flying like, pancakes, man. <laughs> but that's just, what it's about. It's just cool dynamic where, you know, you can just feel from, that your house is a safe space for people. And, yep. you you know, 100%. and you created that. And um, your kids get to be a part of that and see what you're doing and see how hard you guys work. Both you and Wendy are busting your butt up to big projects all the time. And then on top of that, you take on this health challenge that it, it you know, it, it takes time. I mean, you're, that's probably two or three hours out of the day that you're walking and getting ready for the gym and going to the gym and coming back and, yep. and you're walking again and you have to, 
be intentional with your food. So maybe, you know, you're out doing better grocery shopping, more time there, yep. prepping your food. You know, it just, it's, it takes time and energy to, to get into that rhythm. Yeah. And when you're busy, it's hard to do, man. So it, it is hard. How, how, did, how did you do, how did you, how did you get yourself to that point of like on track, able to do it? Like, was it tough initially and then it became easier or what did that look like for you? Um, here's what I'd tell you. The first 14, 15 days of 75 hard sucked. Hmm. It, it just was right. You were like pushing yourself and going, God, I like, I don't have the energy and I need to do these things and I don't have enough time in the day. And that's, I think we're all of us struggles. Like there's not enough time until you create it and say, this is non-negotiable and I'm going to have to cram in everything inside this time. And I believe that if you have 12 hours, you will use 12 hours. Mm -hmm. If you have eight hours to complete the same task, you will complete it in eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes non-negotiable. So I started getting up earlier, right? I mean, right now my morning routine is about 345 and I'm doing my visualization. And one of the things I found, um, I prefer to read at night mm -hmm. rather than in the morning because my brain is already like going into the day. And I wasn't retaining as much. So I started having the habit. And Wendy and I got in the habit of getting to bed. And rather than turning the TV on, we would read. Mm. Right? So I would read that 10 pages. And by the way, that was the best thing. Because like 10 pages should be easy to do every day, which got me through three books. Wow. One of the books that my brother, so my younger brother, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. My younger brother, according to him, this is how he puts it. He has three more Super Bowls in jail. He's already been there for seven Super Bowls. And, uh, <laughs> right. It's a funny but, frame. I know, right. <laughs> That's just how he counts it. Um, he has been on me for months to read this book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I finally read it. And it was such a huge impact that mm -hmm. I went to his next book called The Morning Equation. Um, is The Morning Equation? Now I'm gonna have to look. That's not the title of it, damn it. Um, so there's this thing in there. There's this quote that was so powerful to me mm. that I went and had it tattooed on my forearm. Wow. Like that's that's how intense it was for me. Wow. So the, it which really resonated with 75 hard. If you do 75 hard, not expecting anything different other than the discipline. This is the quote. Unwavering faith, extraordinary effort, no matter what the results. Unwavering faith, extraordinary effort, no matter what the results. Right. So I cut it off on my arm and it just says no matter what. Right. Like, like that's what I'm living by right now. And I put it on my forearm so that when I'm working, it's on my right forearm. I see it that is like, hey. Do you have the faith in yourself and are you willing to put in the work no, no matter what? I think Lindsay has that same tattoo on her right forearm. That's weird. Her and her best friend got tattoos. I think it says literally, it's either no matter when or no matter where or no matter what. It's one of those, but I'll I'll double okay. check because that's kind of that's kind of freaky. Yeah. So what I started to realize was like, okay, when you go back and you think about what you're doing right now right? Raising capital for this luxury VRBO project that we're, we're invested in. Yep. You believe in yourself. You have this, you know, 
un- unbelievable faith, unwavering faith that this is going to be a great project. And I'm going to put in the 100% extraordinary effort, no matter what happens at the end of it. Yeah. Right? Because yep. sometimes we do it and it fails. I, I mean, I remember failing very, very hard early on in my life in the real estate career, right? Yeah. But what happens is, is you learn from it and you change it. Yep. And if you're not willing to believe in yourself, no matter what the results are, because sometimes the results are fantastic and sometimes they suck. Mm. But what did you learn from it? You know, I have this thing that I used to teach my kids and super competitive people would tell me I'm a pussy about it. But I'm like, well, you can say that, but I'm not. Um I would always tell my kids, like when we were coaching them in soccer when they were younger, you either win or learn, but you never lose. Right? Because when you learn from what happened in the past, you have the ability to change. So I'd always tell them, like, hey, we played this team, we lost, but what did you learn about their players? Oh, this kid's really fast. I need to guard him better. What do you learn from it? So the next time you meet them, you can improve. Mm. Right? So I have this accordion file in my office from when Wendy and I lost everything. You know, we had two little kids. Um, We lost a million dollars worth of cash and assets and we got our house foreclosed on. And I wrote a suicide letter. Like I was peace out. I'm like, I failed as a man, as a husband, as a father. I put my family's position. I'm like, I'm peace out. Right. Obviously I didn't go through with it. Um, But it was a very, hard experience to watch my wife walk out on Christmas Eve to go wait tables because we were that broke. And you just like, you suffer as a man. Like I did this, like I didn't protect my family. Mm. And I went back to that accordion file and looked at all the things that happened and said, what did I learn from this and how do I change it? Right? So while that was a very painful experience, I believe that God allows us to go through things intentionally for two reasons. One, so we can learn from it. And two, mm. we might have it, that learn that experience for us had nothing to do with us. It had to do with years later, the impact we would have on other people that started to go through it and didn't know how to go through it. So we lost everything before it was fun to do it. And then we were able to guide people through the process and let them have a better experience going through hard times because we were able to tell them like, hey, we did it. I mean, I remember sitting with a teacher from the kid's school and and she's like, oh my God, we we have $5,000 in credit card debt. I'm like, you want my $400,000 American Express credit card debt? I'll trade you. (laughs) It can be worse. Yeah. Right. But it allowed us to have empathy and sympathy for people because we had already gone through it. And we already knew what was at the end of the tunnel when you got through it. And so it allowed us to go through and give that guidance to people who were scared to death of it. So good, bro. That hits home to me. I like was getting teary eyed listening to you go through that, man, just to, it's like I could feel what you had to go through to bounce back and the confidence to like take the family by the, by the, reigns again and be like hey i can do this again so you had to have extraordinary effort again starting from zero with the faith that you could do it and so like that's the hard part too is like you have to have extraordinary effort and no matter what unwavering faith right no matter the result right no matter the result and you have to believe where you're going and that is and just know like i'm gonna suck now i'm new at this fine yeah may not work out fine 
I'm going to learn. I'm going to keep going forward. And um, you, I think you could it, pretty much do anything with that mindset. Well, with that mindset, right? It's putting in the reps, right? You, mm-hmm. It's 1% better every day. And, yeah. you know, I love Ed Milet's book, which is one of the books I read during 75 Hard, which is the power of one more, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about if I do one more every day, that's an extra 365 reps. I don't care if it's phone calls, conversations, whatever it is. Yeah. Do you think that something great comes out of those extra conversations, right? And so it's it's important to, you know, understand that, that, you know, I'm I'm going to believe in myself and something good is going to come out of this. Mm. And whether it does or not, I'm still putting in the reps what is make which is making me better. You could go on a diet, which we've all done, right? So here's like the thing that we can all resonate with. You can go on a diet for 30 days and you're like, I believe in myself, I put in the effort and I'm still fat. Or I I didn't lose as much weight as I wanted to because we have this goal. Like if I do this, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and you lose 10. Well, you lost 10. Let's focus on that. Let's go another 30 days for another 10 pounds. Yeah. Right. But some of us, like we get disgusted with ourselves or the, the effort that we put in such hard effort and it didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to. So we quit. Mm. And we need to keep going. Right. And, and we need to keep those reps up because now it becomes consistency. Right. And I, I love, you know, the sayings. I think I saw this on Joe Rogan the other day. Motivation will come and go. But if you will be consistent, whether you're feeling it or not, you will succeed. Mm. Results aren't guaranteed, man. And nope. the only way to win and to guarantee a win is to not quit. That's it. That's it. I had a goal for 315 on the bench for 10 years. I thought I was going to get there a hell of a lot sooner. And uh, man, it's just so it's it's just everything is so connected. Same thing with real estate, same thing with financial, your well-being, same thing with your family life. It's like you can I'm going to you know what? I'm going to have the best relationship with Lindsay ever. She's going to come home in a bad mood and I'm doing everything in my power to have a great night. Doesn't happen. I can't quit then. You just got to keep no. doing it the next day. And th- guess what? Right. Six days of you being a badass husband, I bet you it's going to make some headway with Lindsay. You know what I mean? It's just all connected, dude. That is, yeah. um, that's phenomenal. I'm about to go get that tattoo. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I want to tattoo it on your forehead. <laughs> I think more of the neck, like a neck tattoo. Nice. Like the prison <laughs> tat. You're like, yeah. But. Man, I just thank you so much for for hopping on here, dude. I um absolutely. I think the world of you. I think uh, I I know God put you in my life for a reason, and I can't thank you enough um, for changing my life and putting me on a new trajectory of what my long term visions are, what my long term goals are, how I can execute to get there. I think um, I think you've done that for. I know you've done that for so many, and I'm excited to see the impact your book's going to have on people. The um the cool program where people get to be part of your strategy sessions with you and Wendy and Wendy's a badass too so you get both of them at a at a at a very affordable rate in a program like that's giving people access to to that is is so cool and I think it's very generous and I'm excited for people to experience that man thank you I appreciate that 
yeah, you can you can find all that stuff um, on my Instagram page at Steve D Valentine um, in the bio uh, as far as the Limitless Circle, which is our community. Um, the book has some release stuff coming out on it. It's not all there yet, but it will be shortly. And um, yeah, just just watch for this. And if if you're looking for a real estate strategy, that is what I do for people, right? It's you know just like I take I took Lindsay and Elliot down the rabbit hole of here we go this is what we're doing and and this is what it's going to look like and you know we continue to push that strategy and i think ellie you would agree like it was scary at first but as you start to get into it and you feel like you have some guidance yeah. with somebody that has done it it makes it feel a little bit better oh man the flex like <clears throat> the it's just crazy show me a stock that will pay pay itself off right with cash flow every month, and then you get a five thousand, six thousand residual income for the remainder of the eternity, and that yep. you could pass down to your kids. Show me a stock that does that. I just once you wrap, once Steve can like whisper in the vision of what what real estate really can do for your family. I, it's really hard to turn back because there's no other vehicle like it, and um, it's uh, it's really exciting to be a part of. And we looked at some real piece of shit homes when we were out there, didn't we? Oh, they weren't that bad, but Dude, the, the, the first one we looked at that had like the cable coming through the window oh and the terrible oh half a laundry room. And you're like, what, what is this? And Oh my God. That's hilarious. I forgot about the Scottsdale journey, dude. That's funny. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah we, there's we some real some winners stuff. out there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Are you going to, are you going to play some pickleball this year in Munz Park? Like, that's what I want to know. I am. I'm in for pickleball, dude. I am in for pickleball. We should get out before Lin Munz Park. Well, dude, I keep trying to tell you, we got to find a time to do it. Okay, done. All right, done. All right. All right, my friend, thank you for hopping on. And I'm really excited for the episode to drop. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you.